0: Live from the ESPN 690 and Jarrett
1: Loving Studios. This is Action
0: Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Quite a journey, the Jaguars coaching search. It started with Doug Peterson and ended with Doug Peterson <laughs> five weeks later. Look, I mean, Peterson is a Super Bowl Super Bowl-winning head coach that they feel can work with Trevor Lawrence, to help develop Trevor Lawrence, and whatever questions he had about them, he got answered to his satisfaction. Watch for some more moves. They're still talking to Rick Spielman, who used to be the GM of the Minnesota Vikings, about a front office job there. There could be other changes in Jacksonville still to come.
2: NFL insider for ESPN, Dan Graziano. The one domino has fell here in Jacksonville. You got your head coach. Now, what is that all going to look like? And that's kind of the, the, the next big thing here. And when we talk about, you know, Doug Peterson, and, and I get it. You know, I think he is a great guy. I think he's a good people person. You know, he he may have had a falling out and, and, and had a maybe a little rough interview or a little rough exit out of Philadelphia, according to some people. Um, I think some people are gonna sing his praises as he walked out. You know, I mean, everyone's got their own kind of vibe when it comes to how they feel about Doug Peterson. But what we can't take for granted here is giving him everything that he needs to succeed. Now, I know you made this mistake with Urban Meyer because you got the sense that when Urban Meyer was brought into Jacksonville, this wasn't a, uh, a Trent Baalke, Tony Khan kind of um, vetting process. This was Shad Khan saying, Urban Meyer's my guy. I'm going after him, and let's go get him, right? I think that was all Shad Khan, and he essentially gave Urban Meyer the keys to the kingdom as, you know, at, at the time, I think we all um, got and I think probably all celebrated yeah, we were wrong, right? Um, it couldn't have went any worse. Probably the, the worst um, first-year head coaching um, performance of all time, you know, and there's a reason why he's out of the league now. But I think with Doug Peterson, you kind of have to keep that same energy in terms of what you had with Urban Meyer. Now, I'm not saying, you know, let Doug Peterson now construct more practice facilities, give the players the best of the best. Like That stuff's already coming. But what I'm saying from Doug Peterson is if you're Shad Khan, and yeah, Doug Peterson may not have been the first, second, or even third choice. he He may not have blew your socks off like Urban Meyer did in that first interview, whatever the case may be, but he's your head coach now. And he's the guy that's got to come in here and clean up a pretty big mess and try to turn things around. So when you have that type of situation – And when you have Doug Peterson coming in, you got to keep that same energy that you had with Urban Meyer. And you got to pick Doug Peterson's brain because keep in mind who you're talking to now. You're not talking to a former college coach who had a lot of success in terms of national championships but zero head coach experience in the NFL. You're talking to a a Super Bowl winner in himself. And then you're talking to an NFL veteran who's been in the league for a while. So he knows what it looks like. He knows what it takes to succeed. So if I'm Shad Khan... I'm, I'm listening to Doug Peterson very closely. And I'm not going to give him the keys of the kingdom per se because you're still the owner. Yeah, you have all the power. But if he if likes something done a certain way or if he wants somebody to maybe move here, maybe want somebody out, I'm going to take that into serious consideration because I got to trust Doug Peterson now.
3: Yeah, it's a great point, you know, and I wonder how much, I, I can't imagine, and some of this has been unbelievable, right, unfathomable. We can't figure out, like, the Trent Baalke stuff. What's the role? What's the love affair? Why, the, why all of it? Well, and one of the big reasons, Austin, that I felt all along in this process is sooner or later that head coach will make that decision hmm. because of the coach-centric nature of, of Urban Meyer from last year. And I'm not sure Shad necessarily is going to say, well, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I it may not want to give him the complete power of the building like he gave Urban Meyer, but I still feel like he knows the importance of the coach. And Peterson comes in with a heck of a resume in a Super Bowl championship. So there's no way you hire Doug Peterson and then he says, well, listen, I think this could go better or this is best or we should do this. And you don't listen to him. That's the guy that's supposed to deliver you success, that's supposed to take you to the promised land. Well, you let him do it his way then. Again, there's a big difference between having some control and input and then having complete control. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that Peterson should get complete control of the entire operation. Urban had a little bit of that now. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the entire building, it felt like, was under Urban. Whatever he said went on, on any side of the building. I don't think Peterson will have that kind of power. But I do expect him to have some power, and he gets in there, even if a bulky or somebody is around. He's like, listen, I just don't think this is going to work. You know, I've, I've, I've had it. I've been around it for a couple of months. Like, I gave it a chance, but this isn't in the best interest of our organization. Or when Doug Peterson says, hey, I think Trevor Lawrence could really use this wide receiver. I think we got to really take a look at this guy in the draft and, or in free agency. Yeah, I think Peterson's going to get some of that control, man. Yeah. Not, not all the control. But I think a lot of control, and there's been different operations around here. Remember Doug Marone would say early in his career with, with uh, or not his career, but early in his stint in Jacksonville with, Doug, uh, with Tom Coughlin, and he was like, hey, I'm not making those decisions. You got to ask Tom and Dave. Yeah. Like he had like, it felt like no say. I think he probably had a little bit more than he was leading on. But the point being, I think Doug Peterson's going to get a good amount of that. Um, I just don't think he's going to be handed the keys to the kingdom. Uh, yeah. Like like Urban was.
2: It's a, yeah, to me, I mean, it all comes down to the whole Trent Baalke thing. Um, you know, I, I think that if Trent Baalke, even after the draft, resigns or he's asked to head out, then I think that goes to show you that Doug Peterson kind of had control. Yeah. Now, it's optically, it still won't be the best for the organization because then you can go back and say, well, what happened with Byron Leftwich then? Yeah. You know, what was the holdup there? Because I think we can all agree that Byron was probably slated a little higher than Doug Peterson was. Or not, or do you? Y- yeah, uh, I think from the tea leaves,
3: right, from the yeah. waves. I, I again, I, I've never, I've never heard that uh, that that it was as close to Byron as everybody else said. But that doesn't mean everybody was
2: wrong, right? Yeah, I've just I'm never like. I'm just saying by the actions put that of the in an second. Envelope. No, for sure. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the actions of the, the second interview yeah. happening when, when Byron would happen for him and yeah. then the second I interview think there was of clear, Doug Peterson. I
3: think there was clear direction at that moment that he was definitely more of a favorite yeah. than than Peterson. I, I will definitely say that. I also think I'm not so sure it was as far along as some had suggested. Um, sure. I think it's fair to say because well, quite frankly, it didn't happen. And and some had said, said it was about to happen, like the next minute or two, you know.
2: Yeah, my only point though is is that if you go with the, the route where you, you let Trent go after the draft, well, then the questions are going to come up. Yeah. Well, why then, didn't, why work didn't you out. do it with Byron? Let you know. Yeah. So, uh, and gonna- and by the way, I think what Byron has
3: to say or his camp has to say, yeah, is is going to be interesting mm-hmm. in this uh, because keep in mind, there's one thing I thought about this. Th- there's there's really not a lot Shad can say when he answers the questions mm-hmm. that people that have been really emotionally attached to this search and really been inundated with it day to day that that's going to change people's minds on the byron Leftwich front Mm -hmm. he can try all he wants nothing's going to change his mind their mind um and by the way i'm not saying their mind should be changed but hopefully there's a nugget here or there that allows for yeah listen we we're really interested in byron but it, we never got as far as the word was saying. Or even if he says something like that, it's a little bit believable, right? Because yeah. there was certainly some smoke there that it was about to happen. I just think it's a little bit of semantics on how far down the road it was. And I do think this will be an interesting play on the side of Leftwich and his camp, how much they want to poke the, at that. Is that smart? I don't know. For his future job status? Or do you do that to kind of make the Jags look bad in this? I, don't, I really don't know. Um, I haven't heard a lot of other candidates that interviewed talking bad about the Jags. Mm. Or I haven't heard anybody really come out and be like, man, I can't believe they were going to keep bulky that whole time, even though they might be thinking it. They're not publicly saying it, you know. So it'll be really interesting to see what Byron's camp does because I think he can really fan the flames there a little bit. If he comes out in the next, you know, days, weeks, or after the press conference tomorrow and says something that kind of indicates, man, uh, that thing was about to happen. You know,
2: yeah. Well, because was it Schefter that you shared in our group text or you know, Ian Rappaport? Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport. You know, saying something with left, which yeah. And but he brought up Hackett too, which was interesting. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
3: Um, do you have that? It, it, I thought since we're talking about kind of how this unraveled, that we still really again, what, what do we say? Like, what do we know? Yeah. <laughs> we know it took a hell of a long time. We know now Doug Peterson's the coach, but here's what Ian Rappaport said, and I'm telling you, listen to this because there's the reason why I sent it to these guys once I heard it is. Because it's like, holy cow! There's a lot to unpack here. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's a he's throwing a lot of potential nuggets out there. And what I always think of, okay, where's he getting this from? Is this coming from the Jag side of things after the fact that they hired Peterson? Yeah. Is it coming from the agents in the camp? Uh, listen, and and you guys can make your own opinion and judgment.
0: Well, the short answer is that the Jacksonville Jaguars did exactly what they probably should have done many many weeks ago. But still, a really solid hire, a Super Bowl winning head coach, someone who deserves another shot to be back in the saddle and probably will end up being very good for trevor lawrence the fact that it took so long well it's i'm not so sure this has been the smoothest coaching search in the history of the world for the jacksonville jaguars there's been some twists and turns there's been guys they wanted like nathaniel hackett opting to go to other teams like the denver broncos there was the byron Leftwich uh, which courtship of course coming in for a second interview ultimately not ending up as the job and then eventually withdrawing his name due to some Uh, Let's say some concerns about the organization. Uh, They'll let Leftwood speak for himself whenever uh, he addresses that. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But Doug Peterson was always a really viable and interesting candidate. just took a long time to bring him in for a second interview. And it really did feel like once they brought him in for a second interview, then everybody was on the same page as far as what the organization was going to look like, how much alignment he had with General general manager Trent Baalke, the potential hire of Rick Spielman. Of course trevor lawrence being there helped and now as we found out late late last night doug peterson agreed to terms the new head coach of the Jacksonville jaguars
3: so that's ian Rapport on nfl network and a lot of different things going right i mean and he acknowledges like hey let's let byron give his side of the story and how he thought it all went down so that will be very uh, interesting to hear and see if he does
2: Well, and and using the verbiage concerns with the organization um, speaks volumes, I think. I mean, a, now, what does that mean? We have no idea. Yeah. Um, because I do think there's a couple of things in play, right? I mean, everybody
3: else is wondering, okay, how far along was it? How close was it to happening? And then also, where in that whole process was the concerns for the, the uh, organization and the structure and everything else and, and the willingness for, for Byron maybe to impact that. Those are two different stories. They can easily be two different stories. And like I go back to last Wednesday, I mean— I joke, like he, he was listening. Like if I could text Leftwich, sure. do not come here unless you can get the situation that you want. Don't just force yourself, wedge yourself into a situation just to take a head coaching gig. And it is reasonable to think, Austin, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my view on it. It's reasonable to think someone like Doug Peterson with a Super Bowl trophy, 54 years old, five years of head coaching under his wing, would have a little more influence on Maybe Shad Khan changing his mind on the bulky structure or whatever else. Then maybe Byron Leftwich because the Leftwich is, I guess,
2: inexperienced, and yeah, inexperienced. Sure. I mean, Peterson definitely has the better resume than Byron Leftwich does. But at the same time, assuming Byron Leftwich was more of a front runner than Doug Peterson was, that shouldn't matter. Yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think
3: so either. I mean, uh, listen, I would have loved to see a change right there that day. You know, um, and and I would have been fine with Byron Leftwich as the head coach. That, mm-hmm. That's fine too. Even though initially, if you go back, he was third on my list. But no, I would Sam, have been no, fine with the structure listen,
2: change. I, I, I think Doug Peterson here is a great thing. But I'm just saying, if Shad Connor and that organization truly had Byron Leftwich ahead of Doug Peterson, which I do believe was the case, then it, it makes no sense to say, well, let's give Doug Peterson what he wants because he's got the better resume. Yeah,
3: ah. um, and because by the way, then from a Shad point of view, you are trying to wedge mm-hmm. somebody into that situation. Mm-hmm. rather than listen to what the experienced guy said early on in the process, maybe a Caldwell, maybe a Peterson. Like, hey, uh, it ain't going to happen. You know, and, and, you know, that's that's why the Hackett thing is interesting to me because one of the things that I heard is, like, when Hackett was coming in for the second interview, when he was told again, okay, well, Balky, don't want him part of it, yeah. it really started to register. Okay, Leftwich is telling me this. By, I mean, Hackett's telling me this. Like, we got to really think about this. And that's when they started to reset a little bit. Um, now, what was the exact
2: timing of it? Why didn't it happen earlier? All fair questions. But at the same... Yeah, but, like, they may have voiced their concerns, but nothing changed. Like, Trent Baalke's still in power. Well, the only thing that potentially could have changed is the Spielman thing. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, This week. Yeah. What
3: happened after those? that sequence is Spiel... They yeah. went back to Spielman, and, and whatever is happening is happening, mm-hmm. uh, potentially, to put him in the organization. And, and what really sets the table for... Um. You know, eventually a Spielman-Peterson combination uh, if, and Balky could be out of there. Uh, I think you could see that down the road at some point. I just don't know when that is going to happen. I think tomorrow, if we get an introduction, hopefully we'll get some clarity on uh, some of that in the role well, in the organization. And what's the introduction going to look like tomorrow, do you think? I don't know, man. I don't have a good feel. I, I, I've told, I think I've told you. I think I've said it. If I were the Jags, I'm not sure I'd bring Balky out there. Uh, I think I'd I just do Doug Peterson and Shot Khan.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not saying Doug Peterson out there by himself, that's for sure. No, 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 no. Shot has yeah. to be a part of it. Shot will be yeah. a part of it. Okay. Uh, and and Doug but, Peterson will definitely be a part of it. I just don't know if it's are you I don't know how they're going to view it. I don't know if they're going to say like is it better to keep Trent bulky?
2: Well, it, yeah, you know, yeah.
3: Uh, it under wraps for two reasons. One, it's awkward because of the situation, and two, are you stealing from Doug's thunder a little bit? Mm. You know, if you're doing that. So I could see that happening.
2: Here's what I hope happens, though. I hope Shad Khan addresses right away, before we even hear from Doug Peterson, exactly what the plan is going forward and what the process was like. Because the last thing I want to see at a press conference introducing a new head coach is a head coach having to answer for questions that he had no part of a couple weeks ago through this whole process, which could theoretically happen if Shad Khan doesn't kind of give us clarification of, what exactly was going on. Yeah, and by the way, I think it will be interesting from Doug's view of what his view of
3: the Balky situation was from start to finish. He saw it early mm-hmm. and met with them, and then saw it late. And then either they changed their mind or he changed their mind or somebody changed their mind amidst but, that all the rest.
2: But I don't, think, I don't think Peterson's going to come out, though, and, and slam Balky. No, I don't think so. There's no way you're going to have your introductory press conference from a, a head coach and you're going to slam the organization. I that. So, yeah. he, I mean, he's going to play ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he will. Yeah. Uh, but he might give a little bit of – of shed a
3: little bit of light on the whole process from his point of view. Sure. Because, again, there's a really good chance he didn't hear from Sean for, like, 30 days. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, they could have been in contact, but they might yeah. not have been in that whole stretch, which is just wild. Yeah. We're very wild. Uh, but we still have not heard, unless uh, I'm missing an email, and I'll double-check that about a news conference, but how they set it up. And usually there'll be a press release on top of that. And I, we said this last night. What was very interesting about the news release last night and the Shad Khan statement, is that it didn't mention Trent Baalke one bit. Mm -hmm. It didn't mention the front office at all. And a lot of times, if, like, that's the plan going forward, you'd be like, well, uh, uh, Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke going forward are going to bring us to blah, 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 you know? And that wasn't the case last night. Now, does that mean another news release is coming once Spielman is in place? Potentially. Um, Or we will find out on the... um, You know, just on the after the questioning in the news conference, Uh, we have Sean on the line, right? Let's get him on Action Sports, Jackson on ESPN six ninety here on a Friday with Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's happening, man?
1: Hey, you guys doing, man? You guys pretty much (laughs) said everything I actually want to say. I just wanted to just throw it out there. You know, if Nate Hackett was the uh, presumptive the go to guy, and he already worked in the Jaguars organization, he's already he's Completely, already said. Hey, I don't want to work with this guy. I'm more curious not what Byron has to say, but what what Nate Hackett has to say because he already has the ins and outs of exactly what is going on in the in the actual office itself. So I would like to, if if I was media, I would inter- ask him more so than Byron Hackett his his point of view.
3: I appreciate it, so, Sean. Thank you. Uh, by the way, I think both would be pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. It just makes you wonder how much you're really going to hear. Well, I don't no, think because, you're going to, Yeah, I don't. Uh, think. I mean, I think Hackett's a situation where, you know, he's on to bigger and better things. Now you're the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I'm sure yep. you're trying to court Aaron Rodgers. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I think very rarely do coaches get uh, a better position and they want to slam the, you know, the process that led to that position. Yeah. I think Byron Leftwich could be different, though, because he stayed the same. He kind of went back to what he knows Um, He chose whether it was offered to him or not, probably not, but he chose to go back to essentially where he came from with the offensive corner of Tampa Buccaneers. So I think in terms of maybe an ax to grind, in terms of a little more emotion, I think Byron's got a little more than Hackett does, but obviously if they want to come forward and speak their piece, we're all ears here.
3: Yeah, listen, here's how it's going to happen. It's not going to come from their mouths, most likely. Mm -hmm. It's going to come from... Reports and it might take a little bit for that to come out because people will talk either at the Senior Bowl at the Combine, other things, and somebody's going to be like, man, I can't believe Jags and, and Byron, right? Or or uh, Hackett, you know, is going to somewhere, say, yeah, I just told him I couldn't work with, with Bulky mm-hmm. or whatever it was, you know. Some of those things are going to come out, I would think, but it might take a little time because, like you said, uh, Byron Leftwich has moved on and he's going back to Tampa and figuring out what's next, and they, Hackett has a lot of work to do. Yes. Uh, they're in Denver. Let's get you on the line as well. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety. What's happening, man?
1: Hey there, Austin. First off, Brent has been showing his cards on the envelope for weeks now, saying that they potentially missed, already missed out on their candidate, their number one guy. In Nathaniel Hackett, so he's been playing that one for a little bit.
2: No, he has, uh, but he also told us that it's not the same guy that he said in our prediction. So I was going off of, I guess, truth telling, and I should have, I should have known better, man. <laughs> Matthew, I should have known Clue, baby. You're good at Clue. I should have known better.
1: Anyway, does um, this hire of Doug Peterson? He's a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, he's a, a younger guy, if you will, compared to like a Jim Caldwell, but. Does this wow, um, when we come to free agency, does this wow other players enough to overlook the culture of Jacksonville as it is right now to bring in some high-profile guys to help Trevor and get this thing rolling immediately, or is it going to take time for that to kind of come to fruition? Thanks, guys.
3: Matthew, appreciate it, man. Uh, Have a good weekend. Great question, too. I really like it. Uh, I think – I I don't think overall players – are enamored or put a lot of stock into or a lot of energy into the general manager of the football team, right? Or the front office. I think they do put a lot of stock into the coach, uh, their position coaches who else is in the locker room. And, uh, when it comes to free agency money, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so, um, so I, while I, I would like to tell you that there are a lot of outside folks that were, let's just say, uh, throw me a player. Um, Godwin. Okay, sure. And he's free agent, and he's like, man, oh, what the heck is Jacksonville doing over there? Like, I just, I don't know by the time March comes around and dollars start, start flowing, and, uh, and you see that, and now you have Doug Peterson, and he calls some people from Philly, and is like, yeah, man, Doug's really good. And mm-hmm. Hey, I got Trevor, that's pretty good, right? You know, I think those things wear off a little bit mm-hmm. over time. What's the one interesting part of that, Austin? And by the way, you know this game way better than me. But the one interesting part of that is agents,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? And how do the agents feel? And are the agents saying, hey, man, just be a little careful here. The things haven't worked out for the Jalens, the Yons. I mean, look what just happened with Urban. Look what's going on. Let them figure it out first and then maybe go over there or go somewhere else. Uh, But what did I just say about money? The agent's driven by that dollar, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, money means something for sure. But also, you want to set your players up for success. I think, can Doug Peterson come in and turn it right around? Well, if you want to make the model of the Cincinnati Bengals, you need a couple of things. First thing, they need great draft classes. Well, we haven't really seen that here in the past couple of years, and we're not really sure in terms of what the GM's going to look like, if there's going to be an EVP. So it's hard to say what the draft class is going to be for this year because, well, we even know what the roles are, yeah. are designed to be yet. Um, you need they another thing. they even scouting? they even scouting? You need another thing. You need free agents. You know, I think in the market right now, in terms of is Jacksonville a viable destination? Yes, Doug Peterson's a big name. Um, it could be a quarterback friendly place, all this stuff. But at the same time, I think that the proof is in the pudding, man. And, and you got to prove that first. So I think, you know, this up and coming uh, free agent cycle, which is right around the corner, by the way. So they got to get their coaches, got to get their scheme, got to get your, your franchise to, hey, if you want to, there's a lot of things that have to happen in about a month or so. So you're kind of behind the eight ball there. But I think in terms of destinations for free agents, yeah, you may have to overpay some guys, but I'm not sure how high of a priority right now Jacksonville is for agents to send their guys here. NBA Slam poetry
3: we still have. we got to open some cars up. We're going to Philadelphia next, though. More on Doug Peterson, what it means, what he was all about in Philly. Uh, let's uh, talk about it. Doug Peterson, new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a big Friday here in Jacksonville at ESPN 690. Welcome back. Big news in Jacksonville over the last 24 hours. Doug Peterson, new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It took a while. Uh, It's two years in a row. Urban Meyer, the excitement. I don't think this is at the excitement of the Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence. I think we're in wait and see mode here in Jacksonville. And that's no disrespect to Doug Peterson. I know he comes with the Lombardi trophy, but uh, nobody can seemingly figure this thing out here in Jacksonville. And uh, we're going to wait to see if somebody can finally figure it out. And hopefully... Hopefully, uh, Doug Peterson is that guy. Let's go to Philadelphia now. And uh, NFL writer Rob Motti from the Associated Press joins us. Uh, Pleased to be joined by Rob. Thanks for taking a few minutes, man. I know you're probably getting a lot of phone calls from folks around the Jacksonville area today. Brent Martineau, former Jags player, Austin Lane on ESPN 690. Should we be excited about Doug Peterson as the new head coach of the Jags?
1: Uh, no, no doubt I think you should, and uh, I, I'm now a, I'm among you guys. I'm a Florida resident. I'm in the Tampa area oh, and, and loving every loving every bit of the 80-plus degrees that we have. Uh, I know they're shoveling some snow up in Philly. Good for them. Uh, I don't have to do that anymore. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. But uh, D- Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl-winning head coach, and I, I think if this this coaching search for the Jaguars didn't take as long as it did and and have so many twists and turns – that people may be a little bit more excited about having a guy who won a Super Bowl. On this day, four years ago, he hoisted that Vince Lombardi trophy. He, he did it by leading a, a young second-year quarterback in Carson Wentz to the brink of being an MVP in 2017 until he tore his ACL and, and then won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback in Nick Foles, who you guys are very familiar with, uh, in the playoffs. So he's, a, he's a, a great leader of men, and I think that's the one area of Doug Peterson that you bring into a culture that really needs somebody to transform it in Jacksonville, that's a guy, that's what Doug can do. He's coming in there as a a man who is firm in his his principles, who is going, he's not going to be a backstabber, he's a guy who shoots people straight, he gets along very well with his players, uh, and they have a ton of respect for him. Uh, He he enjoys his ice cream, so if (laughs) anybody sees him around and wants to buy him a vanilla cone, he'd be excited about that. But uh, I I think Doug Peterson is what the Jaguars need right now. I know maybe there are more splashier names. He's the only one out there who is available with a Lombardi trophy, and I think he gets overlooked a lot of times in the conversation. They win the Super Bowl, they come back, they go to the playoffs, Uh, the next two years, and they do it the second year also with a backup in Nick Foles, and and then they get to the playoffs, their uh, injury-decimated team, and and, and then uh, he loses in in what really was a power-type struggle in Philadelphia there at the end after a horrible season, but uh, I, I think this is a guy who can really help Jacksonville turn things around or work towards it.
3: Rob Motte with us here on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. I want to keep you on that last point because we have a Trent bulky situation here in Jacksonville. There's been dysfunction in Jacksonville really beyond this last year. If you want to go back to the last few years from Jalen Ramsey to Yannick Ngakwe to grievances with the NFLPA. And uh, Doug Peterson, I guess the one red flag is how it ended in Philadelphia. Uh, and should that be a concern, especially potentially having to work with a guy like Trent Baalke, who has had a, well, uh, a history of having some dysfunction in the organizations he's been in.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's understandable, that the way it went down in Philly, but I think that was a unique situation in Philadelphia. Doug Peterson's a guy who doesn't like conflict. He'll avoid conflict, and he will work his butt off to make sure that everyone's on the same page and working together. What you had in Philly was a case where, Uh, They brought him in first and foremost because that's an organization with an ownership and and a front office and in the GM and Howie Roseman that wants to have a lot of input, not only on personnel decisions and, and and that's where the GM Howie Roseman has final say on personnel decisions, but they actually like to have some input uh, on day to day, week to week, uh, game planning, everything else. and, And for a while, you know, Doug Peterson would entertain that. He would humor them. He would sit down and, uh, and, and he would allow their input and have those conversations with whoever wanted to sit down with them and have those conversations. Doesn't mean he had to go out there and implement what an owner or a GM or anyone who whose uh, ideas he doesn't strongly believe in is telling him to do. But he'll entertain it. He'll listen. There are some coaches who'll say, "Hey, you know what? I want to. I want a Super Bowl in year two. Um, you don't know anything or half as much as I do, I'm not even sitting down with you. That's not dope. Uh he, he will avoid as much conflict as possible. So I think it was a unique situation in Philadelphia where, at the end, he was very loyal to his assistant coaches, and, and they wanted to dictate who was going to be uh, on his staff, and, and that's where he finally drew the line and said, listen, uh, I'm out. Uh, and and they, they make it in a – there's always a narrative that's coming out of the Eagles organization, and the Eagles are great – at spinning that narrative and the eagles are exceptional at making sure they leak information that benefits them not necessarily always the the most upfront truthful and honest information and they'll leak it to media members with the biggest following who will take exactly what the gm says and i'm not naming any names man but they'll take exactly what the gm tells them in a text and they'll post it on their social media on their twitter accounts word for word without investigating the actual truth behind it and, and, and the Eagles are masters at that and, and I think they did that to Carson Wentz and they did it to Doug Peterson
2: Rob, you know, you mentioned the ice cream, and I'm sure we've all seen the video on Twitter circulating (laughs) with uh, Doug Peterson saying, hey, uh, let's let's get an ice cream, it's my treat. And I find that so hilarious because he took that from Andy Reid, who I played for, because Andy Reid used to always say, hey, let's go get a cheeseburger, cheeseburger's on me. So, like, that's a similarity coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree, just, you know, how in sync they seem to be. I can sit here and say Andy Reid was, was the best players coach I've ever been around. I mean, the, the players loved playing for him, and he always kind of understood um, how a locker room worked. Are there a lot of those traits in Doug Peterson, or is he a little more maybe old school, a little more hard-nosed than maybe Andy Reid is?
1: I think maybe even more so than Andy Reid because he played the game, yeah. right? He, you know, and Andy was is a great Hall of Fame head coach. He didn't play. Uh, like Doug did at that level. Doug was a starting quarterback in Philadelphia when they booed the heck out of him from day one because they wanted Donovan McNabb to be in there. So he can relate to players on an even better level. He understands if it's uh, a Thursday or a Friday or a Wednesday later in the season, he's got this leadership group and a leadership council, and he points those guys, and he talks to them on a daily basis hey guys what do you think what do we need to do what's practice like am i working you too hard do we need to pull back a little bit do we do we have to do things differently and and uh, i think he's got his finger on the pulse of, of a locker room and that's why i think he's relatable uh he's a guy who's very likable he's very personable he avoids conflict and all of those things help him be a great leader now as a head coach, you also obviously you got to do the X's and O's, and you got to be an in-game uh, manager, and you got to be able to adjust on the fly. And sometimes uh, he didn't do that well enough. But he's got to surround himself with an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator who can handle that for him. And, and I think maybe if if the one aspect of Doug Peterson's uh, coaching tenure in Philly is that needed to be improved upon the most was making sure he had the best coaching staff around him. Now, of course, there was also in Philly a lot of input from the front office. Uh, A couple years back, he he famously one day said, I'm bringing back the wide receivers coach, I'm bringing back the offensive coordinator. The owner said the next day, no, that ain't going to happen, and they were gone. So if he's got that input, he's got to make sure he's bringing in the best guys who can help put him in a position to where he can do his job
2: And lead that group, Rob. Having watched Doug Peterson, you know, in Philadelphia and now in Jacksonville, obviously, I'm sure we'll find out more tomorrow about what the situation is going to be. But do you foresee Doug Peterson still being the play caller, or do you think he turns the reins over to like an offensive coordinator?
1: You know, that's a great question because he does love calling the plays. and, And his last year in Philadelphia, he did call the plays. They didn't even have an offensive coordinator after that fiasco where he had a fire. Mike Rowe, the offensive coordinator, he said, I'm going to I'm gonna handle this. I, I, I could probably see him still calling plays no matter who the offensive coordinator is. And, and that's just something that a lot of offensive-minded head coaches want to do. He's talked about it in the past. It's something that he likes to do. Now, maybe his coaching philosophy has changed since in, in that year off, not being in Philadelphia, taking a step away from the game, hanging out in South Florida and, and, and just watching football. From afar, I don't know if, if he wants to detach himself from play calling. But that final year in Philly, he you know he was he was really uh, uh, he, he took a lot of heat for it, but he felt strongly about calling his own plays and said something uh, you know it's something he enjoys doing. And uh, I, I think he'd be reluctant to give that up. Now I, I don't know if that would be mandated, but uh, he, he's out of the game for a year. He doesn't have a job. Is he willing to be flexible if the Jags ownership and the Jags front office tells him, no, we're going to hire you only if you bring an offensive coordinator who calls his plays. There may be some flexibility
3: there. NFL Associated Press writer Rob Motte with us, uh, talking about Doug Peterson, the Philadelphia days. Let me ask you just one more question about uh, at least predicting what could happen here. Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. That relationship. Can you tell us a little bit more about his relationship with his QBs? We know he got Carson Wentz and Nick Foles to play good football, and I think I could argue that Trevor Lawrence's skill set, at least on the surface, is better than both of those quarterbacks. We haven't seen it come to fruition after his rookie year, but how good do you think Doug Peterson can make Trevor Lawrence?
1: Yeah, I think he can be the guy who can help Trevor Lawrence live up to that first uh, pick overall hype and, and his potential. What he did with a guy like Carson Wentz coming out of uh, North Dakota State as a number two pick, and, and by year two, now I know he had help. Frank Reich is an offensive coordinator, John Filippo as the quarterbacks coach, and keep a name, uh, keep it, a, an eye on that name as somebody who might potentially be an offensive coordinator or, or on, on the coaching staff, John Filippo. But what he was able to do with Carson Wentz was incredible. It was, it was phenomenal in year two, almost being an MVP. And then winning, you know, changing the offense a little bit to fit around Nick Foles' skill set and winning a Super Bowl with Nick. And then going to the playoffs the following year, when Nick jumps in there and fills in for Carson the last four games of the season, uh, he, he gets along well with his quarterback. I know there was another false narrative coming out of Philadelphia last year that he and Carson didn't get along towards the end of the year. Doug himself told me that's not true, that's not happening, but, you know, once, want, once, once someone from the Eagles front office sends that text message to certain people in the national media and they put it out there on their Twitter feed, everybody thinks oh, all of a sudden Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson don't get along. Uh, Doug Peterson denied that, told me straight to my... Uh, straight to my face that that's not true. And then and, and after the season, we saw that. We saw Carson talk about that. We saw Doug talk about that. So I think he and Trevor Lawrence are going to get along great. Uh, they're they're going to meet together once a week. He we had those meetings. and told him, hey, this is what I see. What, is, what input do you have? How much do you think uh, we should change this or operate this way? How, uh, what do you want to see? So he's going to allow him that flexibility. He's going to allow him to have that input. Uh, and, and this is something I think that should be very exciting for Jaguars fans because he's a guy who, I, I don't know if you want to put him in the quarterback guru mold just yet, but uh, when you win a Super Bowl with a backup and you get a, a, a guy who's uh, in his second year almost an MVP trophy, I think he's done a good job with QB.
2: Rob, when we talk about Doug Peterson, you know, one of the lasting memories that he's going to have in the city of Philly of of how that situation with Jalen Hurts and I think it was Nate Sudfeld played out um, in the third quarter against Washington. Now, you know, from our perspective down here in Jacksonville, you know, you you hear the rumblings. I mean, you you saw the, the Jason Kelsey press conference where he talked about the whole tanking thing, but then he kind of went back on his words a little bit and said, like, he kind of knew what was up with Sudfeld. I mean, how did that locker room... Handle that situation, and, and I guess like what what was the whole presumption of Doug Peterson after that moment with Jalen Hurts?
1: Yeah, I, I, Doug Peterson took a bullet for the organization because he thought he was going to be back, mm. and he he felt that I'm I'm going to be back, so I'm going to do what the organization needs me to do here, and, and that is secure a better draft pick. I, I don't care what they say publicly. Um, You're never going to say you purposely lost the game. You're going to always say, well, they felt deserved an opportunity, blah, 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 whatever that may be. They needed to lose that game to move up in the draft three spots, which they parlayed into an extra first-round pick and everything else. But what he did was he took the bullet for the front office. He took that uh, head-on, and he didn't back down from it. And and credit to him, I don't think there were any really ill – Feelings towards Doug Peterson within that locker room because anyone uh, who, who has any kind of idea about what's happening understood that's not a directive from Doug. That's coming from upper management. He was told we got to do the best we can to make sure we get that sixth pick instead of the ninth pick. And uh, he went out there and, and took all the criticism for it and, and everything else. But that, that that also just shows you a little bit of who he is because he's willing to shoulder that on him rather than throw anyone else
3: under the bus, even when they throw him under the bus. Hmm. Rob Motti, NFL uh, AP writer, thanks for all the insight. Uh, Doug Peterson, uh, we look forward to getting to know him hopefully as soon as tomorrow when he's introduced as the uh, next Jacksonville Jaguars coach. Thanks, Rob.
1: You got it, guys.
3: Anytime. Have a good one. You too. Uh, interesting that that was your last question and in the context of... Uh, well, what's happening around the league these days, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, good things about uh, Doug Peterson. Obviously, Rob uh, is, is a fan and, and got to know him pretty well. And I do hope that's a, a thing that we can develop around here is get to know Doug Peterson a little bit, right? I'm not sure, first of all, the time didn't allow for anybody to really get to know Urban Meyer enough. Yeah. I'm not sure he was ever going to let anybody in that much. Yeah. And the same goes for Trent Baalke at the moment. So this... Again, I've said this countless times. The relationships need to be built better um yeah. inwardly for yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm not saying they have to be buddy buddy with every media member. That is not what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think the communication goes to the fans and the lines open and uh, some personality and and those kind of things. I mean that that hap- that's it might be an undertone. It might be a subconscious, but it's important. Especially if you're not going to sit there and win seven, eight, nine, ten games and, and threaten the playoffs each and every year. Uh, Clay Harbor will join us in the 5 o'clock hour football at 5. We've got NBA Slam Poetry coming up next, I think, or at least coming up soon. Yeah, I got it. Uh, and uh, let's do it. When we come back, Action Sports shacks on ESPN 690.
1: Imagine this. The Jaguars basically had a head start on every other team in terms of making a head coaching hire after firing Urban Meyer. We've seen a number of head coaches, including most recently Mike McCarthy, who are let go from one job, take a year away from the game, and are immediately back in the head coaching conversation just one year later, which is where Jacksonville has landed with Doug Peterson. They cast a net of 10 different candidates, and at one point it did seem like their former franchise quarterback, Byron Leftwich would end up being their head coach. Instead, they go with Doug Peterson, a man who has winning credentials and should bring some leadership and stability to an organization that needs it more than any other in the NFL right now.
2: ESPN's Field, the eights. Welcome back to Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690. Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Do you not feel right putting Doug Peterson in the Mike McCarthy category right now? I mean, I get it. Mike McCarthy's had some success in Dallas, but I'm always reminded of that last game, how it went, and it wasn't good. Do I have a problem doing it, you're saying? I mean, like, I don't want to put Doug Peterson in the Mike McCarthy category, I guess is whats is what I'm saying. I, I, don't. Mean, I mean, I get they have it in common where, yeah, they took some time off and now they're back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put them in the same category either, but
2: that fits. If the shoe fits, huh? They both have a Super Bowl. If, if the shoe fits.
1: But I I believe that in terms of coaching, mm-hmm. Doug Peterson had to do a little more on the coaching side to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles than Mike McCarthy did with like, you know, Aaron Rodgers.
2: Sure, sure. No, that's that's a good point.
1: So there are some comparable parts, but I I would like to believe that Doug Peterson had to work a bit harder.
2: Okay. I like that. That's fair enough. I mean you know, I and I can't wait to to see kind of the energy that he brings because it is a great point in terms of Philadelphia. Like, uh, I get it. It's only one Super Bowl, but it's still a Super Bowl at the end of the day. And the run that they went on, like, nobody was giving them a shot. You know, I mean, there's a reason why they kind of adopted the underdog moniker a little bit. Because, I mean, I I was included in that group. I'm like, there's no way this Nick Foles-led team is going to win a Super Bowl, but so be it. So, yeah, that definitely has to come down to coaching. And... You know, despite how he kind of went out with the whole Jalen Hurts, Nate Sudfeld thing, uh, I do think his players respect him. And, and I do think his players um, enjoy playing for him. And, and it was a great point that uh, um, Rob had uh, we just called in this last segment comparing him to Andy Reid, who I, I got nothing but respect for Andy Reid. I mean, I'm I'm always cheering for the Chiefs. Like, listen, I love Joe Burrow. I love the swag. I love the turtlenecks in the chain. But I was cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they've already won one and they've been to a couple. Um, I want to see Andy Reid win as many as possible because I think Andy Reid's a good dude. And, you know, talking to Rob here this past segment, it seems like Doug Peterson is cut from the same cloth. But what Doug Peterson can bring to the table, too, and that's why I was such a big proponent of Byron Leftwich, is the fact that they're both players. You know, they're both former players, and they've been in locker rooms, and they can relate to players a little bit more. I'm not saying like, but listen, you don't have to be a former NFL player to be a great head coach, but I'm saying it helps you relate to your players and in turn can make you a great head coach by being a former NFL player. I think we got Slam Poetry coming up here in a little bit. Also going to be joined by Clay Harbour, I think, in the five o'clock hour. Casey's a big fan. He was on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Bachelorette. Bachelorette. Okay. Are you, you a fan of that show, honestly? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember when I said when I met Dale Moss one time? I met him a couple times. Yep. You ever meet somebody and it's like, oh wow, you're just way better than me in every aspect of life? Yeah. That's how I met. Well, that's how I felt when I met Dale Moss. I'm like, that's probably accurate. How, how are you so good? Look? I mean, I'm like, listen, coming from a guy who's married to his beautiful wife. But I remember thinking, like, you shouldn't be this smart and this good looking. It's not good. And you shouldn't be in the NFL. You, you can't have it all. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, maybe, here at ESPN 690.